everyone. You are listening to the Arts Report here at CITR Radio at 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from the unsweeted territory of the Muscogee people here in UBC at the Point Grey campus in Vancouver. I am Lua and Margarita is here today and I'm Hi. very happy. And we also have a very special guest with us today. Miles is here and he is a comedian. And not only that, more exciting is that he has just launched an album called Miles From Home, which I love the title. Just <laughs> let me just start off saying that. I love this title. Thank Such you. a smart pun. Um, but yeah. So I was very curious. It's a recorded comedy album. Mm-hmm. And my first question is, what exactly is a recorded comedy album? That's interesting. Well, it, it does seem very old-timey, for sure, to put out a recorded comedy album. But there's actually... Uh, a bit of a, a resurgence of the comedy album, especially in Canada, um, because for one thing, they brought the Juno Award back for comedy albums um, three years ago. And so it's a good way to get some publicity if you can have a good enough album to get nominated or even to win. Uh, but also, the way um, it works in Canada is uh, there's a channel on Sirius XM called Canada Laughs, and that's channel 168. And it plays Canadian comedians all day long. And um, there's actually pretty significant residual royalties for that channel. <laughs> oh, he's got a good clang in there. Someone just drove a car into the studio now. We're all fine here, folks. <laughs> Sorry. That was just a little, um, yeah, a little accident. Um, but yeah, so it's really, uh, you know, so SiriusXM actually pays pretty good residuals. So that was a, the incentive for a lot of Canadian comedians to do that because... And it is kind of funny because it's like almost like old timey showbiz money uh, to get radio money. Like, uh, you know, to put things, um, you know, we don't have access to getting Netflix specials like American comedians do. We're kind of barred out of a lot of the American market. It can cost, you know, $10,000 to get a work visa to go to the States for a Canadian. and costs them about $48 to work here. So it's yeah. definitely weighted pretty horribly for us. So... This channel, Canada Laughs, is a great place to not only hear a lot of new Canadian comedians, but also for Canadian comedians to make like a little bit of income that'll help uh, pay the rent when they're doing shows and things like that across the country. And so you come from a background of music. Correct? Yeah. How do you incorporate music into your comedy career? <laughs> or how did you transition from music into comedy? Well, that's interesting. Um I did. Uh, I studied music at UVic with uh, Michelle Maris, who's actually a, a teacher here as well at, U- at UBC. Um, and uh, I think I, I rarely play the piano in my act because pianos are enormous, <laughs> and it's hard to bring a, a piano on the road with you. And uh, I don't bring keyboards. It's just like the logistics of setting up music to do a show is is a nightmare. So um, if there's a piano at the club, I can't resist, and I'll usually play and do something. Um, with the piano Um, but generally I think the way I use music in my act is I just take like the horrifying pressures of piano recital performance and remember how awful that is and it helps me relax when I do shows (laughs) I think it could it's not as bad as that at least I can just tell jokes (laughs) and then instead of having to play and tell jokes oh yeah um that's fascinating (laughs) but um how long have you been doing comedy so uh, about seven years now. So I started uh, in 2012, and then I took a bit of a hiatus. I went to France and lived there for a little while. Um, and when I came back, I continued. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty much constant. 
Um, I did it all through university, which definitely took away from <laughs> the studying and practicing I should have been doing at the piano. But um, I've, be, I've been doing it for a long time. Victoria w uh, is great for comedy. It's got Heckler's Comedy Club there, and they, uh, they're they a great comedy club, one of the best in the country, which is it's funny because Victoria is so small. And, um, you know, it's even, but the club is always sold out. And uh, there's a, a lot of great comedians in Victoria um, and who have come out of Victoria, like uh, Katie Ellen Humphreys and Kevin Banner, two comedians that came out of there. They're super great. Um, but uh, I don't know what it is about the island, but there's a lot of funny people there. And I started with a lot of funny people there. And we all kind of pushed each other to be funnier. And uh, when I came to Vancouver, it was just, it was, it was great to have that experience already. There's something funny about going to a place where you're doing comedy where there's not a lot of industry or people that see you. So you're kind of like practicing in secret. So there's not a lot of pressure because you can just go and bomb quietly <laughs> and no one really sees it. And then you get good and then you can go to like a big city and they're like, oh, wow, this guy came out of nowhere where in fact you've been practicing for a long time. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious as well. Like you were a finalist at the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Mm -hmm. um, first, what was that like? What is that competition? And second, what was that like? So the Seattle International Comedy Competition has actually been going on for so long. It's been going on for, I think, 38 or 39 years now. And uh, there's been a lot of comedians who have gone on to big things who have done it. Um, Rory Scovel was one of them who I think he came third. Um, Mitch Hedberg won one year and he went on to a lot of success. Um, it's kind of the sister competition to the San Francisco Comedy Competition. They're both run by the same people. And that one had a lot of people like Robin Williams and stuff like that who'd done it. And it was, it's very long. It took three weeks. I was in Seattle oh, for wow. three weeks. Just doing comedy. Just doing same comedy. Same set or different sets? Same set every time. Uh, well, same set on the first week. They lengthen the amount of time you do each week. So they start out with 16 comedians in the first week. And then it gets narrowed down. And then the next group of semifinalists. Um, so the first group does like three minutes each. So 16 comics doing three minutes to prove themselves. And then you go on to the next week and you're all doing like, like seven to nine minutes. And then the last week uh, you're doing like 15 minutes or so. Uh, all building each. up from what she started with. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. That sounds kind of stressful. It's very <laughs> stressful. It's really weird. Uh, yeah, to do all these different. You go to all these different crowds. You go to like, you know, like in Seattle, uh, where there's like a, a lot of younger, hipper audiences, and then you'll go to like Bremerton, where there's like a naval base, and you're doing <laughs> jokes for like all the Navy guys, and wow. like, see, so it really <laughs> tests your act because you're like, this has to work for everyone. Like, this has to make every right. uh, group laugh, and uh, so that's it was really a good experience for that. It also helped me deal with pressure a lot because it was basically a competition every single night for three weeks. It was uh, a lot, and so every night, all of you have to have your set. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You have to do really well every night. Wow. That sounds intense. <laughs> very intense. It was very <laughs> intense. It was like I was totally numb by the end of it. I was like, I never want to see Seattle again. <laughs> I associated only with stress. <laughs> wow. And for your album, what was the creation process like? Um, it was, well, I was approached by uh, Kevy, who produced my album with 604, and he asked if I'd like to do an album if I'd be interested. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. They've signed a lot of other really great comedians like um, uh, Yumi Nagashima and uh, Charlie Demers and um, 
Kyle Bottom and some other ones. That's Kevin Banner as well from Victoria. Uh, they've been signing a lot of great people, so I thought uh, that's you know I was really um, honored to to do an album with them. And then we recorded at Hecklers in Victoria, which is a club I started at and uh, wrote a lot of the jokes at. And uh, we it was just basically set up microphones around the stage, some capturing the, the audience sound and some capturing the sound of my voice. And then we had two nights to do it. And uh, at the end of it, um, we just edited it together and sent it off to get mastered. And it was, I think it's a lot easier than making a music record where there's so much like intricate mixing of all the different instruments and, and voices and things like that. It's just basically crowd and you. And um, it's, it's pretty, it, I think it's a fairly simple process to make a comedy album. Yeah. And so you all recorded all live, and so like if people don't laugh, it's in the it's <laughs> in the audio with that's the people. Very like true. no one says, no one found that funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think that's a true pressure. Like, because now you have a record that no one found your joke funny. Yes. Like. Oh man, I know. <laughs> Definitely being recorded is terrifying because it's like there's a permanent record of this now. <laughs> I'm Not, like, Ooh. That, that like, and what do you do? You want to use this record for? Well, otherwise, other than like making people laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's good for promotion. Canada is so large <laughs> that it's hard to physically go to every comedy club in the country and audition. Um, you know, it would cost so much money and take so much time. So I'm hoping that this album will help promote my comedy to other comedy clubs across Canada so I, I can work at those places and tour across Canada instead of just being on the West Coast. Um you know, I'm working on, on getting my United States working papers so I can sort of travel south as well. Um, it's just physically closer to do America than <laughs> Canada. Um, but that's the goal. That's the whole reason I wanted to do that was to help with promoting myself and my comedy and trying to book more gigs to, you know, eventually uh, do this full time as a career. And so music is kind of being left aside and you're really focusing on your comedy. A little bit for sure. I mean, I definitely <laughs> practice. Uh, if Michelle's listening, I practice every day. Um, but I, I teach piano lessons. Actually, that's one of my oh, jobs nice. that I do. And uh, I like to teach the kids. Um, and it's, it's a great uh, gig for a comedian because I can set my own hours and just, you know, tell the kids, listen, no lessons this week. I got to go travel somewhere to do a show. And they are way too excited when I tell them <laughs> that. But uh, teaching piano is a great experience. And it was, um, it's uh, definitely something that, that came out of a music degree, which I could actually use, which I was quite <laughs> excited about. I was like, wow, I'm just doing the degree, another useless arts degree, but I actually do use it for work. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> See, arts degrees aren't all useless. Um, but do you ever have you ever tried doing a set for your like your students? Like... Oh, sets directed at, for kids. I have definitely uh, told them when I'm on like CBC Radio because it's like obviously CBC Radio. It's pretty family friendly stuff. Like when I do the debaters or something like that, I'll be like, oh, I'll tell my students that I'm like, oh, listen to the radio. I'll be on on CBC, and uh, that, their mind is blown because <laughs> they're like, oh wow, we thought he was so lame this whole time. <laughs> it's actually he does cool stuff afterward. <laughs> I mean, I think all students think uh, unless it's like that really cool teacher <laughs> all teachers i think all students think that, that those things about their teachers like yeah oh okay right that person's actually like doing things <laughs> and what's your favorite part about this entire process of like building your album and recording and being part of the seattle competition as well what has been your favorite part throughout this journey it's uh 
it's great um meeting a lot of talented comedians um and so there's so many comedians that are just from like all over all different backgrounds especially in vancouver it's like such a diverse group you get to hear so many like interesting opinions from different people and like such great jokes that are like so original um so i think meeting people and, and making those connections and um hanging out with comics and just laughing a lot i think laughing is is super fun that's why i do comedy the jokes i write make me laugh and so i want to do that for other people and uh, so that's just the most fun is uh, having a great group of comics and just like hanging out and, and laughing a lot. So it's the, the best part of comedy, I think. And are you going to have any shows anytime soon? Um, I've got uh, one coming up at Jokes, Please. But for the next couple of weeks, I'm actually heading to L.A. tomorrow. Uh, and then I'm going to Toronto after that when I get back. And so I'll be doing like press stuff, um, but I'll be doing shows at night. Um, any shows I can get on, basically. I'm trying to get do another show at the Comedy Magic Club in L.A. when I'm down there. It's one of my favorite clubs to do. Very, very historic club with a lot of great acts who've, who've been on that stage. So I'll see what I can do down there. It's also very, it's very kind of, comedy can be very informal sometimes, especially when it's not legal for you to work there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, definitely not getting paid for shows in L.A., um, but, uh, Toronto, I haven't, I haven't finagled anything yet, but I'm, I'm thinking I'll be able to drop in on some shows there, but in Vancouver, my next show would be jokes, please on August 16th at uh, little mountain gallery. And if someone wants to hear it to your album, where can they find it? Uh, Spotify, Apple music, Amazon. Um, I think those are the three main ones. <laughs> I have CDs <laughs> at my house. If you'd like to buy one and see what a CD looks like. <laughs> Or if you have a, like something that would actually play a CD. <laughs> if you drive an old Jeep Grand Cherokee from 2006, <laughs> then yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming here and taking your time to have an interview with us. Um, and yeah, you guys heard it. His album, Miles From Home, Miles with a Y. <laughs> um, is on basically every major music distribution network, oh, social yeah. media thing. <laughs> um, and Miles Anderson's next show is going to be August 16th here in Vancouver, and he might be in Toronto as well, although I don't know if we have listeners in Toronto. <laughs> but if How strong is the signal? <laughs> <laughs> if you are in Toronto, there you go. If you're interested, go check it out. Uh, again, thank you so much for coming. And now I'm going to play a few ads and PSAs. And when we come back, we're going to have a review, uh, a few reviews and a few shout outs as well. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theater, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theater, visit their website at www.riotheater.ca. UBC Africa Awareness Initiative is a student-run organization that advocates for a greater inclusion of Africa and African-related issues in UBC academia and social life. Some of our major events include Dioko, UBC's largest African dance party, Culture Night, a celebration of African culture and diversity, and Conference Week, where our goal is to foster more intelligent and intellectual dialogue about Africa on the UBC campus. With this in mind, we hope to contribute towards creating global citizens with a more informed perspective of the continent. Oh, 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 oh,
we're back. So I want to start this section of the show with a few shout outs because a lot of stuff, a really cool stuff is happening here in Vancouver um, over the next few weeks. And because we're only doing, only having our shows every other week over summer, unfortunately, we can't cover everything. Um, we have limited amounts of time. But to start, um, the Vancouver Mural Festival is starting soon, um, I believe this week. If you've never been to the Vancouver Mural Festival, it happens on Main Street. It is um, really a public art exhibition with a few artists that are invited to create murals. And last year's murals and the year before that are also be like they're not painted over. So like new areas of the city are painted and they are absolutely gorgeous. Every artist has their very own unique style and it's just very interesting to see all of that they also have a um they have several events that go on during the Miro festival if you want to check those out make sure to check their website at um venmuralfest.ca and from what a few of the things that happened that three of the events that happen in during the Miro festival is obviously their opening they have an after party, they have music, food. So it's really a kind of family event. Anyone can go. And it's pretty much a celebration of community and art. It's pretty cool. If you've never checked it out, to go check it out. Other than that, something that's starting up tomorrow is Pride in Chinatown, which I'm very excited about um, because, well, because it's Pride in Chinatown. If you don't know, Vancouver has, I hope you know, that Vancouver's pride is a little bit different than the pride of the rest of the world, I guess. So this week is Pride Week for us here in Vancouver. And oh my god, I can't find the information I need. And um, Pride in Chinatown. Starts up tomorrow. And it is a few days of events. Um, there are certain tours. A lot of drag queens are going to be there as well. Uh, they have a map and a schedule on their website. So go check it out. It takes over the Dr. Sun Yat Sin Plaza, the park, and the classical Chinese garden. And then again, it starts tomorrow. There are a limited number of tickets available and the tickets online are cheaper than the tickets at the door. So make sure to buy your tickets beforehand. Um, and it sounds like a very fun event. Other than that, oh yes, I remember. The last shout out I'm doing today is for a very interesting event that I hope I'll be able to attend called the Twisted Disney Cabaret and it's happening this Friday, August 2nd here in Vancouver at the, well, if you don't know what a, let me explain what a cabaret is while I find out that information for you. So a cabaret, the Disney Cabaret is basically a fun twist on Disney classics and there are drag queens um, and non-gender conforming and non-binary people and other performers as well it's a fun night it's 
not really for family. It's more like adult stuff, but it is should be very, very fun. If you're a Disney lover, like don't even not think about going. It has burlesque, trivia, prizes, singing, and a lot of gender bending. <clears throat> Sorry for that. <clears throat> and at the end of the day, this cabaret, the topsy-turvy Disney twist, topsy-turny Disney cabaret is a fundraiser. Uh, so if you can go out and support them, it's happening this Friday on August 2nd at 7.30 at the Avena Theater here in Vancouver. And so... With that, let's go on to a few reviews. Do you want to talk about the book you read? I actually want to um, to give a shout out to Lenoir. Uh, that's a band uh, coming in from Montreal. It's Rhythm and Blues Trio. And they have like a really mellow, fun style. You can check out their videos. They have uh, two singles out on YouTube called Bad Rhythm and old girl so it's not bad rhythm it's bed rhythm and the second one is called old girl and they're actually performing here in van on uh, <coughs> august 3rd saturday at savoy pub it's uh, 14 dollars at the door and 10 dollars beforehand so you should definitely check them out i'm gonna be there it's a very chill style um they're a very good band lenoir uh check it out yeah awesome and so should I say my review or should you talk about your review? We have so many let's, reviews. Let's listen to your review. Okay, awesome. So um, last week I had uh, the amazing opportunity to go see a musical called Silence the Musical. And Silence the Musical is a parody of Silence of the Lambs. Well, more specifically, the unauthorized parody of Silence of the Lambs. Unauthorized. Unauthorized. Mm. <clears throat> Vigilante. <laughs> it is incredibly funny. If you are familiar with Silence of the Lambs, this is a story of a detective, a female detective who is trying to solve a case where the serial killer kills and takes the skin of his victims. And to in order to try to solve that case, she needs to profile... Um, profile criminals as in like psychologically profiled criminals and then she starts talking to Hannibal Lecter who is a cannibal Hannibal the cannibal um, yes very creative name um, and then their story the story goes on from there everything turns out great in the end sorry about the spoiler but it doesn't really matter if you know the story or not because this musical was absolutely hilarious um, first off there are a lot of warning signs when you walk into the theater that there's going to be a lot of inappropriate, not inappropriate because it is very appropriate for that set, but a lot of harsh language, a lot of cursing. And so be advised if you're not comfortable with harsh, harsher language, this probably is not the play for you. However, it was incredibly funny. They tackle so many, They well, they do a parody that's, very on point in all the moments in the movie where it's like oh this happened this is kind of weird and they make so so many jokes about so many different things that's just really it was um it was one of those plays where I walked in 10 minutes in I started laughing and I only stopped laughing when the 
closed. The curtains closed. The curtains closed. It that was sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it was very very fun. It was a very fun night. It's sh- it's showing at the BMO stage um, until August third. So until this Saturday. So make sure to check that out. It is definitely worth uh, your time. It's definitely worth the night. And the musical numbers were amazing. The singing was great. The choreo so great. Like. They were obviously a lot of them were obviously not dancers, but the choreo was done in a way that obviously meet musicals. I'm obviously talking about choreo, <laughs> like I'm always talking about dancing. But the dance was so on point, and even f- those moments where you didn't expect dancing to happen, the dancing came in, and it really made ev- put everything together, made everything work together really nicely. Um, in one moment, actually, I was watching. All of a sudden, they start doing uh, Bob Foss, like a Bob Foss style dance, and I was just not expecting that at all. And the moment I saw that, I was like, "That's Bob Foss. That's Bob Foss. That's the choreo from uh, Goodbye Little Bird." And I was like, "Oh my god, my mind is so my mind is blown right now. <laughs> They're using Bob Foss's style," and I'm, I'm a very, very big fan of Bob Foss. And it was just really fun. Like that moment for me was probably the highlight because it was something that I recognized immediately, although a lot of people didn't and I wouldn't expect them to. But overall, very, very funny, very cool. Um, Made me laugh the entire thing. The way the lighting, the set was very simple. However, the way the lighting was structured and how um, every all the characters knew exactly when to come in and go out was very smartly put and even the things they even they made fun of the limitations that they had which is always a good thing to see like make fun of yourself especially if you're doing a parody like there's no one better to make fun of than yourself right right and so margarita do you want to tell us about your book Actually, I haven't read that book yet, oh, but so, I sorry. did conduct an interview <laughs> with uh, the creators of Deep Into Darkness. Right. So Deep Into Darkness is an immersive show, which means that you are transported into another world where happenings, where like all of the actors are part of this um, happening that is consecutively uh, occurring in different rooms on different levels. There is another uh, play that is based on this concept, which is very famous, which is called Sleep No More. It's in New York, and people say it's like, wow. So this is on the same concept, but here in Van. Uh, maybe we'll listen to the interview right now? Yeah. So I'm going to play the interview, and right after that interview, I'm going to segue right into the Newsies review, which we didn't have the chance to finish last last week on our last show and so i'll put those two together so you guys don't have to actually i might not let's see what happens so we are in studio today with laura carly miller and sydney doberstein the creators of deep into darkness an immersive play starting at the clutch soon when is it starting girls uh, Deep into Darkness. It's actually going up uh, August 13th at the Colch, and it's playing until August 25th. Oh, wow. So Deep into Darkness is an immersive play. Would you care to explain a little bit what that means? Yeah, so with an immersive show like this, it is 
touching on all different senses for the audience members. So in this sort of experience, you get to walk through the entire space. There's three different levels at the Kulch, over 20 different spaces that you can explore. Uh, you can touch things, you can sit in the space, you can interact with the actors, and there's maybe even some eating involved too. Nom <laughs> <laughs> nom. It depicts kind of a nightmarish episode of Edgar Allan Poe's life where he's confronted with memories of his past. Is that correct? Yes. So the show, we've sort of developed the entire show around the building. So the building we're playing is Edgar Allan Poe's mind. So the different characters that are in the space that you get to interact with are pigments and fragments of his mind. So uh, personality points and things that showcase his feelings. favorite stories that he's written, uh, people from his own personal life, memories and nightmares and issues that he dealt with um, as a person in his own life. Wow. How did you construct the play? How do you even begin <laughs> such an elaborate project? <laughs> a lot of time. It took a lot of time <laughs> and a lot of energy. We've been working on this show for over two years now. We went and saw Sleep No More in New York City, right. I believe October 2017, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've been working on this for a very long time. It started with, we wanted to do something that was Shakespeare involved, and then it was actually our third person involved, <laughs> Fraser. He's my husband. He wanted to do something that involved Edgar Allan Poe. So we kind of blended everything. Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare together and then realized that it was actually more of an Edgar Allan Poe story. How did you start constructing it? So initially we had to figure out how we were going to allocate where everybody was at one point in the building at a time. So our script, if you would like to call it that, <laughs> is basically made in time measurements and we know exactly where every single actor is in. every five minutes of the show for the whole entire show. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically like a time map. And then we have content that's been created in those uh, chunks of time. If you were to look at the script, you would be very confused. <laughs> it's taken a very long time just to get everybody under the same kind of understanding of where they're at in the space. Like Laura said, with the time increments, it becomes quite confusing if someone arrives early or if someone's running late. We have to make sure that we're very in tune with the soundscape and knowing where we're supposed to be in the space. That sounds very intricate. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> how do you, you started saying how it interacts with the space? Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit more about how it interacts? About the space interaction? Yes, so kind of the part about immersive theater that's different than normal theater is that you actually get to touch and feel the objects that are there. So our amazing set designer, John R. Taylor, has built some amazing set pieces and brought an amazing set deck that audience members can actually go up to and physically touch and handle. So you can be opening drawers, looking through books, finding secrets. We've got kind of puzzles that are throughout the building as well that if you are so inclined, you're more than welcome to figure out and you may walk away with something if you find the, the end goal. Mm. So basically, it's just different in the sense that you get to be literally in the story with us. The audience also basically is a character. We use them to interact with the actors at times as well as architecture in the space. The audience gets to, wear, gets to wear masks, and throughout the building, that gives them the chance to have a bit more of an ego and a bit more confidence to be able to touch things and 
rummage around and not feel guilty about it. There's something very interesting that happens when you give an audience member a mask, they become anonymous and no one can tell who they are. So they, like Laura's saying, they have this confidence of, oh, maybe I will go sit in this space where normally I wouldn't if I was in a regular proscenium show. But this is giving them the liberty and the, we're encouraging our audience members to be curious, basically. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you started telling me about the characters. There are 15 characters in the play. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit more about them? Uh, I can elaborate on the fact that they are specifically personality aspects of Edgar Allan Poe. So if you know anything about Edgar Allan Poe, he dealt with a lot of very traumatic issues like loss, um, madness, alcoholism. Uh, he had some drug issues. So different things like that, we've sort of abstractly put onto a character or created a character out of those mm. issues. Mm-hmm. But everything else has to be left up for... Uh, <laughs> Discovery. It has to be a, a mystery. <laughs> we want you to come and enjoy the experience and, and discover those things for yourself. We don't want to give too much away. <laughs> hmm. I've never been to an immersive play. Um, what is the best sort of attitude to approach it with? Uh, how do you know when to leave a room and when to stick around? Uh, as an audience member going to an immersive show for the first time, I would say come with an open mind and be present. Follow your impulses and be okay to wait and sit and explore. If there's something that you want to stay in, like in a moment or in a room, I encourage you to follow that feeling because mm. it will pay off in the end. Mm-hmm. And wear comfortable shoes because you will be moving around. Yes. (laughs) Can we explore a little bit more about the art? You started saying that you gathered many trinkets and memorabilia. Yes. So our set design we've been collecting for now almost two years Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, We've got the most amazing Victorian style furniture because the whole show is set in the Victorian era. Yes. So some of the furniture pieces and the set deck pieces are out of this world. So when you get to see them, most people are going to be blown away. It's going to feel like you've been transported into a Victorian style world. Honestly, walking through the space is just, it's incredible. We're super excited for everybody to come see it. (laughs) That'll be amazing. I can't wait for it. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? If you're looking to get tickets, uh, the best place to do that is on our website, which is deepintodarkness.com slash tickets. Or you can also visit theculch.com. They have the tickets on their website as well. And we hope to see everybody there because it's going to be one heck of a ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When's the opening again? August 13th. 13th. So that's a day before the, do- the show airs. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much, Margarita. And we're back, but we're going to go away again because we're going to listen to a report about uh, the Newsies musical, Atuts. Enjoy. Just a second. Yeah. And now to Newsies. Um, about Newsies, it was... I had never seen it before. So Newsies is a play about newspaper boys in the 1800s trying to get better rights from themselves. And it basically, it follows that story in New York, but it also follows the story of their leader, 
Jake. Riley. Is it a Jack? Jack. Jack. It follows the story of their leader. And there's obviously a little love story in there because, you know, throwing that a little extra spice. Um, and it was really fun. It was a musical that I, I don't know what I was expecting from it, but I don't think it was that. I think I wasn't expecting something as fun as it was. I yeah, thought it was going to be smaller somehow. I didn't know what to expect, but it was so inv like invigorating and beautiful, and the songs were great, and the singers were amazing. The live orchestra, of course, was fantastic. And it was so dynamic, too. Like There were fighting scenes, the dancing was on point every single aspect of the, uh, the choreographies and dancing was absolutely stunning i have nothing to say about dancing at all on this show yes. because it was well thought out in every single instance of it and i think one thing that benefited the show so much is that the choreographer is the director and that's something that actually doesn't happen that often in musicals mm. and i wish it did because once you have a director that's also the choreographer so many things can flow more smoothly because you're working within the same mind that there's no really a transition it's like oh i'm gonna direct this until this point and have a transition to the choreography everything is built together and i think actually momia would have benefited a lot from that same situation like director and choreographer or maybe a closer relationship directing and choreography could have but i think Honestly, I just wish most musicals were done like that, directing and choreography done by the same person, as long as the choreographer, the 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 choreographer is a really good choreographer that who can also direct. Because not having a good choreographer is also not amazing, <laughs> you know. Mm. Well, I guess it, it's a pretty rare situation to happen. Yeah, and the other thing I think about Newsies is. There weren't as many songs. Like a lot of the songs were reprises or reprises, reprise. Like there were, yeah, there were just the the same songs played in the beginning, but different verses, but the same song. Yeah, but I didn't mind it. It didn't feel. Uh, it felt full. Yeah, it did feel full. I agree. Um, I think my opinion against it is that it's not necessarily against it. It's just that I wanted to see other ones. I wanted to see more musical numbers. Not necessarily musical numbers, that's not what I mean. I think I wanted, I just wanted to see different songs. Because the songs were just really long, too. I was fine with the way it was. Really? I liked it. It was very entertaining. I'll give you that. It was a very good show. Very good show. I liked the two stories that they made. They built, like, a kind of um, New York uh, apartment buildings kind of setup, but, like, kind of slums. I don't know. It was nice. With, like, the actress climbing stairs to get up to the second floor. And the theater, like, there's a mini theater within it that kind of rolls in. Yeah. Very, very fun. I think also uh, one of the things that was really entertaining to me was that the cast of Mamma Mia watched Newsies and the cast of Newsies watched Mamma Mia. And you could, and she, they were sitting on the side. And every once in a while, you'd see, like, a, this huge reaction from the cast. That's sweet. <laughs> that was just so sweet. And I was like, yeah support your friends support people you know? so what do you think overall I think 
I would give Newsies a higher score than Mamma Mia. I think the singing was better. Choreography, in my opinion, it was more acrobatics than Newsies, don't you think? There was, that's the thing about Newsies. There were a lot of acrobatics, but there was also very simple choreography. Like the choreography in of itself wasn't that difficult, but it had difficult elements to it, mm-hmm. which I think is a really great balance to the the way that Newsies is built. So I did have moments of like flips and it had moments of everyone jumps and everyone does this, but there was also very cohesive in the moments that there weren't those elements, which is something that I think Mamma Mia lacks because Mamma Mia also had those flips, they had aerials, that kind of stuff. But when it came down to the moments where those weren't happening, the cohesiveness of it kind of fell through for me. Yeah, they weren't they weren't very uh, like together. Yeah. But what do you think about Toots now that you have experienced it? I wish it was warm. <laughs> Both of the nights that we went, it was cold. Climate change. Climate change. Like, like it's supposed to be warmer now in Vancouver. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, but other than that, I think I would go again. Yeah, it's a very fun night. Uh, both plays are definitely worth seeing. If you do have a chance to go to both plays, do. As a lover of Mamma Mia, I would go to watch Mamma Mia again, happily. Um, despite some of the not great things about it, um, I would still happily watch it again because it was a very, very fun night. It was just really refreshing to see it on stage and to see all these little things that you don't think about come together and build this entire environment and you kind of just really feel like you're in that villa with everyone else that for me was one of the highlights of that night and to me Newsies the highlight of Newsies is just how well done it is just in general yeah it was well done you know what we didn't mention how they like changed the time of the day in Mamma Mia. Oh, That was yeah. so beautiful. They so, changed it from, like, daytime to dusk, to, sorry, to sunset, and then to nighttime in a very, like, convincing way. Yeah, the set was absolutely gorgeous in Mamma Mia. And it said in New it was a little bit simpler, but it worked really, really well. Yeah, it conveyed what it had to, like, that kind of um, nakedness of the streets. And I think... That's all I have to say about Tuts. It was an amazing night. I do recommend it. If you do have the chance to go, do check it out. Also, um, as I'm mentioning Tuts in general, there are certain special nights for Mamma Mia and Newsies. There are two special nights where they are cons- they're called, I believe, couples nights or something like that, where it's two tickets for the price of one or um, nice. so you can go with your significant other or, you know, anyone that you want to watch a musical with. There's also two sing-along nights that are, are going to be the audience is encouraged to sing along. You should go to that, Laura. I should go to that because I sang okay, yeah, I sang the entirety of Mamma Mia under my breath and I knew all the lines too. That's how obsessed I am with Mamma Mia to the point that I was like, she made a mistake on this line. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know every single line of Mamma Mia and I know every single song. And I was just living for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's also, um, I believe, a kid's night. But all this information is on the Tits website where they're selling all their tickets. Make sure to check it out. 
Um, make sure also to arrive early at Tuts uh, to actually enjoy the park for a little bit. It's a beautiful environment. There's a lot to look at. Um, there's a lot to like explore around it. And it's just really fun. So, yeah, that's it for me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll probably be in the studio and I'll talk to you in a bit. Do you want to say bye? Bye, guys. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. You're waking the neighbors! Shut up! The Alliance for Arts and Culture has launched a new project called SpaceFinder. It's a free-to-list, free-to-search database that helps artists find spaces they need for performance, rehearsal, exhibition, and more. You can search by area, price, and space needs. Go to bc.spacefinder.org to find or list your space now. Hello? Oh, okay. We're back. That was weird. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I'm here. Oh, wow. Okay. This, that was very weird. I don't know what just happened. But anyway, we're here today um, with Nancy and Brian and, sorry, Nancy Lee and Brian Tiger, correct? Perfect. Yes. And they were part of this year's um, mentorship program. Um, current, sorry, I need to read the name. It's a very long name. <laughs> the current part, I remember. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kurt, Feminist Electronic Art Symposium that happened July 23rd to July 25th. Um, and this is the third year the symposium is happening. And I was curious, um, how did you guys get involved with, well, first off, Nancy, I'm going to mm -hmm. introduce you. You are a mentor, correct? Yes. And Moraine, you are a mentee, so you get both perspectives. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> yeah. I'm also um, a founder, a co-founder and a co-producer for uh, Current um, ever since the beginning. So we... Current has uh, traditionally been more of a showcase. Last year, we had a five-day uh, symposium with uh, keynotes, panels, uh, workshops, uh, performances, film screenings, um, gallery um, exhibitions, and uh, and yeah, and it was more of like a showcase uh, and kind of a spectacle where people, anyone from the public, can come and attend. And it was all everything was by donation. Um, and this year, we decided to go in the other direction because we've always wanted to do a mentorship program just because over the last three years, we're able to build so many community community partners and community networks that helped us make this event um, possible. So this year we thought, you know, as like a feminist practice to always think about succession planning and like proper archival practices um, is how do we share our resources in a way where other people can produce something like current that we did last year, like a five day kind of like comprehensive electronic art program. So we thought maybe this year we should just invest our time to, developing a mentorship uh, program. And it hasn't really been done in Vancouver, at least in this kind of capacity that we're doing 
we're doing it in. Um, and it's just a way for us to, yeah, to share the resources that we have uh, over the last three years and also teach um, our cohort how to produce um produce events, you know, f- you know, from a feminist perspective and intersectional feminist perse- perspective and also, um, you know, how to do like entrepreneurial things. Like how do you write grants? How do you um, make budgets? Uh, how do you create strategic partnerships? Um, how do you ask for sponsorships? Uh, how do you do press? Because, you know, print, TV, radio is all very different. Um, so kind of giving them those type of skill sets so then they can succeed in producing DIY events. You know, we're, we are all, we're still working from a DIY capacity because we never went to school to learn any of this stuff. It was just, you know, figure it out, you know, yeah. making a lot of mistakes and figuring out. So it's like we're trying to offer an opportunity where, okay, we've learned all these lessons and like let's pass this on. Awesome. And so this is the first year that I actually worked like this, correct? Yes. This is the first year that you didn't really have things that are open to the public, only the mentorship program. Correct. Um, but we do have uh, some partnerships uh, with the fall with, in the fall, like with New Forms Festival. Um, so uh, ideally, some of our cohort uh, can go into internship placements for other projects in the in the fall, and we can also support their projects because a lot of uh, our mentees in our program um, also have their own ongoing projects. So we would like to support those projects. Awesome. And so, Brian, how did you hear about this program, and how did you go out and were like, I want to do this? Um, I've volunteered and I guess, yeah, I volunteered with Current um, for the uh, since the, I guess, the two years that it's happened before this. And uh, I've worked with Nancy before, um, so I know she does a lot of cool things. And uh, I produce events as well. Um, and when she told me about this opportunity, um, I was super psyched because, I mean, like she was saying, producing DIY events, like there's really no roadmap and no kind of like structure. You kind of have to learn. Um, so when this came up, I applied for it and, um, you know, I wrote a real good, uh, <laughs> application and, uh, yeah, I'm very honored to be part of it this year. Awesome. And so it was a, a standard quotation marks, so like quote unquote application process where you write out, like how, what, how did that process work? Yeah. So we, you know, we had like a Google forms that you fill out that, you know, we just wanted to find out what everyone you know where everyone's at um in like their cultural production practice what kind of projects they're currently working on because you know we want people coming in with projects that they're already thinking about so that we can kind of talk about it and workshop it and also create opportunity for cross collaboration and cross pollination between the mentees which was happening during the mentorship program because everybody got to meet each other and you know some people had stronger admin skill sets some people had stronger marketing skill sets so it was nice to put them all in a room um but yeah so the application was just like a standard uh application we got over almost over 100 applicants and we had to pick 11 which is really hard but what was really dope (laughs) is that you know there are this there are that many cool projects happening in vancouver and this year because current um last couple years we've um had it for women and non-binary folks but this year we decided to uh open it up to uh black indigenous and people of color of all genders just because we see the need uh to support you know not only women and non-binary people like even you know bipocs need to have even like men of color need to have opportunities for cultural production because you know in our society especially in the art community or the music industry white women often have way more opportunity than men of color 
you know, so we have to s- kind of see things from an intersectional perspective. So that's why this year we opened it up to all BIPOCs as well. Awesome. And how did you enjoy this experience? Um, it was really, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, I did enjoy it and it was very well produced. Um, like I can tell that there was a lot of thought and care put into this. And you can tell, you know, when people throw things like, you know, if there's like heart into it and just like, you know, if they really care. And uh, this thing definitely falls under the category of um, very well thought out. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot of skills. Um, I guess that, yeah, wouldn't have been taught anywhere. I mean, it's stuff that you just have mm-hmm. to learn the hard way, unfortunately. Um, but after this, no, I'm a lot more confident and um, I've gained so many more resources and contacts. Um, like even on the first day, like mm-hmm. uh, the current team brought in a lot of people in you know from even from discord from citr to come in and just talk and just introduce themselves and just be like oh you know if you ever need to talk to anyone you know they they're happy just to like um give you their contact if you ever need to plan anything yeah Yeah, on our first day we invited all our community partners so you know we had folks from citr um folks from um the western front the vancouver art curators we just invited a lot of other curators Mm -hmm. curators from the vancouver art gallery uh from center a um from producers from the vancouver international film festival um and some local electronic art and electronic music collectives and local curators uh from music festivals too so kind of just putting everybody in the same room uh our community partners and have them witness our cohort uh, introduce themselves and introduce the projects and then have the community partners kind of introduce themselves and to kind of introduce what they how they could maybe be helpful in the future for future guidance or like collaboration opportunities so just putting them all in one room so you know so yeah. there's like opportunity <laughs> for something to happen where we can just kind of like step step out and let that you know and support that and let that grow awesome and have any of these projects that I'm guessing were in very initial stages when the symposium happened, have they taken like more steady feet now? Um, I think some of the, because it's still kind of early to say just because the symposium just happened last week. Um, and it's Pride Week this week, so everyone's, <laughs> everyone's, <laughs> doing, going a little everyone's doing Pride <laughs> things right now. Um, but I I believe, yeah, like I feel like there has been some contacts that have been exchanged and some ideas that are brewing. So I, I'm like quite confident that things are going to happen, um, emerge in the fall. That is going to be stuff that has been talked about um, during the summer uh, mentorship program. That's really cool. Well, I'm very excited to see what comes out of it. And I'm curious, I don't know if you'll have any ideas. Actually, well, Ryan, you're here. Mm-hmm. What was the project that you came into with the, your idea to in your application? Um, it's something that I was actually writing a grant for while Current was happening. Um, uh, ironically enough, it's for an online radio station. Oh. And I'm talking <laughs> about this on actual FM radio. Um, but it's for an online radio station. Um, after No Fun Radio um, shut down, uh, my show was displaced. Um, so we didn't really have a home to do anything. So um, I wrote, yeah, that's the project I'm working on is put doing like an online radio station, I guess, just to focus on a lot more, a lot of just like Vancouver music and just to, you know, bring people in that maybe have never performed or even talked about their art. Um, and yeah, that's something I brought to, um, yeah, to Current. And yeah, it was really like useful because we, we got into groups and we like each, you know, we, we had like group projects, which is really cute. And we all talked about our projects and then, you know, we kind of like helped each other out and trying to hash it out and, you know, just trying to see if there's anything that, you know, we've missed and just, uh, you know, just give it like a, to pretty much like us reviewing each other, which is nice. Um, yeah. Were there any projects that one of your classmates, colleagues, co- yeah, peers? fellow peers? Yeah. <laughs> 
um, had that you were very interested in, were very excited about? Um, the most interesting one in my group was probably um, Alana's. Uh, she works with a lot of like sh- like childcare and stuff, so she wanted to like facilitate uh, a space for mothers because and just like and then and then that moved and uh, that moved towards like sobriety, like you know having like a bar, like you know a party, but you know they serve milk <laughs> and just like you know just <laughs> for like non kids like or n- for like adults. Um, well, it's like it's like kid friendly, but just to have you know moms because moms kind of you know once they get become you know become mothers and go through maternity. Yeah, they don't really get a chance, and paternity, um, they don't really get a chance to go out and they kind of step, uh, you know, take a step back from their practice. Um, so she wanted to, she, she saw that void and she saw like a lot of, you know, mothers still wanted to be part of the art community. So she wanted to facilitate, her idea was she wanted to facilitate, like, I guess, a sober, family-friendly party. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, it's just like, I don't, you know, I don't really like, know too many like yeah, m- mothers or new mothers, so I wouldn't have really ever thought of that. But Alana, coming from you know a different part of I guess art and I guess just here event organizing, like she thought of that, and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting to have like a milk bar. Milk bar. And then uh, <laughs> and then we then, and then we brought in the conversation of sobriety and how to support people because sobriety is I feel like more of a popular choice these days. And, you know, the the classic thing is, like, people usually put down the choice, like, put down people that choose to be sober and kind of, like, you know, make fun of them a little bit. But, I mean, again, you know, it's like it's 2019. We should be open to people if they choose like not mm-hmm. or to not to drink or to drink. Um, So that was really interesting. And, um, yeah, it really – and then, um, you know, that all goes back towards uh, the idea of responsible cultural, cultural um, production. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of like the uh, – I mean – yeah, the event, the, the entire like current was just about how to do events well and do it responsibly and whatever the space you're in. And yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of like a responsible cultural curation, I think uh, having a sober family party is like pretty up there. Awesome. <laughs> and so Nancy, is this format something that you guys want to do next year or was this kind of a one year thing and then next year going to back into what the format was before? Mix and match. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure yet. Uh, you know, I think it has to. Um, I don't. We're none of us are sure yet either. Um, you know, we just want to see how this evolves. Um, and because you know, um, Solo Dad is now uh, in, based in Toronto now, and um, and and Ashley, who is also a co-founder, they're going to be based in Berlin soon. So we're also just thinking about, yeah, like su- succession planning too, right? Like we want the spirit of current to continue. Um, that's why we want, decided to do this mentorship program this year, uh, just in case, you know, if it doesn't happen next year or if we're not, all of us are not around, like what can we do to all continue this like annual spirit of current um, into the future so you know i'm not too tied down to like current as a brand necessarily but if other people are doing cool projects that also you know is interdisciplinary um you know focus on like intersectional feminist kind of dialogue um and you know uh has a you know and has a real focus on like responsible cultural creation and, and having these hard harder conversations you know that's something we're totally um happy to help support so it it really depends you know i think it i think the uh the outcome of our cohort this fall or you know 
this like because we are continuing this like internship and mentorship relationship with our cohort because we just mm. finished last week and we just you know we want to sustain like a long-term relationship with them so we'll see where everyone is at and then we can kind of reflect on our own practices um and see what kind of step we should make because we haven't really been planning that like we don't plan that far in advance because it's hard <laughs> it's hard to know you know it's hard to know especially with all of us are artists and we all have our own artistic practices as well. So it's just figuring out, you know, what are the needs of the community? So it, this is a really, this was a really dope opportunity for us to meet, you know, other people from other parts of the community. Some people were not, you know, a lot, not everyone was from electronic music. Some people were from, you know, a literary practice, a film practice. So it was cool to see people from different sectors kind of come together. And it was a huge learning experience for us as cultural producers and curators to learn about like what, the needs are in different areas so you know i think depending on what the needs are next year and what you know popular demand is we'll decide you know how we want to proceed and so brian what is your major takeaway from this experience um my major takeaway is that um i guess it's not that lonely out there as i thought it was because you know doing all the stuff and you know creating events or trying to throw things and put things together um, gets like very stressful and it feels like very isolating at times. So it's nice to know that, you know, there are people in the community such as Nancy and the rest of the current team that care, A, care, and B, um, you know, are down to connect, like, you know, build the community up because a lot of, I guess, a lot of people are just like, you know, we'll do, you know, my thing's the best or I'm going to do my thing and really not care about anyone else. But, um, you know, if we all work together, like, you know, we can make this like the city's like culture, like a lot better. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll keep hearing it from you guys. I'm, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I hope so. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Would you guys li- like to add anything else that you might have missed? Um, I think we have, uh, yeah, I think we have all our stuff. But, oh, yeah, our website is currentsymposium.com. You can follow us on Facebook under Current Feminist Electronic Arts Symposium or our Instagram, current underscore symposium, to follow what other projects that uh, we are supporting in the future from our mentorship cohort. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again um, for taking your time to come here. And this was the Arts Report. We are going to say goodbye and see you guys in two weeks. Yeah, basically, because, well, summer, and summer is almost over, and it makes me so sad. But, well, besides that, it's great. (laughs) Bye, everyone. For a cultural backwater like Vancouver, it just, just bursts with violence. It's got every absurdity and nihilism of the world. CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Vancouver. Every absurdity and nihilism of the world since 1937. It'll play off-Broadway. I can see it now. Man, listen, I've been sending peace from the heart. Cause when it is the fan, I rip the bar. Man, listen, I've been sending peace from the heart. Keep your accolades, I got the acolytes, it's if 
the tap the dip them up the we ain't asking twice. Graffiti goes from coast to coast. We know you look shook. Now the people know we here just like a no shook. We ain't catch a coming from syrup sandwiches. Jerry dripping like Jackson Bobby's canvases. Ultra Magnus man, if it's overpowering your manuscripts. Disproportionate portion of unfortunate fortuneless souls get washed up. Look at y'all, all shit wrecked up on shows. You washed up. You better hit the deck in my show. Hey yo, I'm atomically inspect the deck in my show. I went from beats with Casanova to girls of fashion over. To kick your own out of my house like I'm a rosa. Sleeping on the bench of Billy Epcot sofa. Told you last track of the raw, your shit was over. One time. Man, listen, I've been sending beats from the heart. Cause when you hit the fan, I rip you the bar. Man, listen, I've been sending beats from the heart. Cause when you hit the fan, I rip you the bar. Take it back to the up and the urge to come. I take it back to the up and the urge to come. I take it back to the up and the urge to come. I take it back to the I want to, I want to. Razor blades in the mouth like that old 